you learn the most by doing yourself. Like it's it's great to read, it's great to watch uh, tutorials and stuff like this, but you really have to 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 do to hold the lights and then move them a little bit there and bring them back, bring them closer. That's how you really learn. Welcome back to Nothing Shines Like Dirt, episode 40. I'm Elise Siebert. And I'm Leslie Shannon. Today, we are talking to cinematographer Caroline Mariko Stuckey. We discuss playing with light, the camera being an extension of self, and love Love and and acceptance. acceptance. It makes me just want to sit and watch movies all day. I'm going to take this. Well, it's a good excuse to do, to do that because <laughs> right. we, we would do that anyway. Right? I know. I know. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a research day. That's yeah. what you can call it. Exactly. Every time I watch a movie, I tell my girlfriend, I'm actually working, so exactly. <laughs> don't judge me. Exactly. I have, to wa- I have to research. I have to see what people are doing. and I've, I've found that uh, lately I've been... Um, I've been watching a lot more television, not mm. like not like at the time when it's being shown per se, but mm. like streaming after mm. the fact, like episodes of things. Mm. And um, I found like I've kind of been doing it a lot. And then I thought to myself, oh, well, because this is the medium that I want mm. to be a part of. So it, it makes perfect sense. But I like was feeling guilty about, mm. <laughs> about spending so much time oh. consuming when I feel like I should be doing. Mm. Well, it's like we have to, be careful to balance, but but it's true that those TV shows they really get you want to watch the next episode. So oh yeah, especially if you have all of them there, <laughs> yeah. then then finding the willpower to stop yourself from continuing I is watched hard. Three seasons of How to Get Away with Murder in like three weeks. Like yeah. n- like that's too much. <laughs> I do the same things. Yeah, it was, it was like I can't because one episode would end and I'd be like. Oh, well, I want to one see what more. happens. Yeah. One more. Yeah, one more. One more. Just that. one more. And then it's like 2 a.m. Okay, that, I need to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. It's that cliffhanger too, which is a really smart thing that yeah. a lot of television is the way that they tell the story yes. so that at the very end you have just like this little the vehicle of it. This little nugget that you're like, oh, but mm. I need to know what happens with this part of the story. So I have to keep going. And then you're there forever. And you never stop. Yes. <laughs> Ever. I would just turn it on and be like, oh, I'll clean the kitchen while I watch it. And then I like am sitting on the couch and my kitchen is still dirty. And I'm like, well, that didn't work out. <laughs> That's how good the show was, I, I guess. Know. I know. It, it goes to sucks say. Sucks you in. It goes to show um, those people, they're doing a really good job. Yeah. <laughs> Even when it's not good. I don't know. You get invested in the characters mm. or something. I don't yeah. know what it mm. is, but... Oh yeah, I have definitely have guilty pleasure shows that mm. I watch only when I'm home by myself because I feel like almost embarrassed that I, or, and it's not necessarily that I am embarrassed like you can always learn something I think from it. Um, like what do you think your biggest guilty pleasure is? Oh, television show? Yeah. Oh man, do I have to say it out loud? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, probably one of I so I grew up watching um Buffy the Vampire Slayer so that was one of the ones and I always love like uh sci-fi like fantasy-ish mm-hmm. type stuff along those lines that's not a bad one no Buffy's that one not bad. no but but then I'll watch things that are in that vein also that are definitely 
not anywhere near as good, um, <clears throat> that I'll watch the entire thing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm watching this right now, but I can't stop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like the knowing that <laughs> the art around it is, or the, the, the part of it that might've drawn you in for the one show. And that kind of made you be like, Oh, well I could see maybe this. And then you just keep going with mm-hmm. it and you're like, I, there's no reason I should still be watching this yeah. at all. Well, I was, I had the same thing happening is, um, you know, you have so many new TV shows and then I don't know why, but I started to watch uh, Malcolm in the Middle again. Like, I shouldn't say it, but I did. And I was watching and watching. And I was like, why am I watching this? Why am I watching this? Well, the, the, the mother character is amazing, first of all. Well, mm-hmm. that's one reason. But the last episode of the last season was the reason why I watched it. And I didn't know. Is uh, Did you watch it? or? Mm-mm. No, you can I spoil mean, it though. Seen, yeah, I because can, yeah. it's been it's been off the air long enough that I think yeah. it's fair. So it's I don't know when the show ended, maybe 2008. I don't know. The last episode, Malcolm gets the opportunity to work in like a big corporate uh, company, and his mother said, "No, you're going to college." And he's like, "Why? Because you're going to be president of the United States." And then he said, well, I could be rich and then, because of my money, become the president of the United States. And then the mother and the father make a speech about why this is not a good idea. And I was like, oh my God, this is so relevant for like now. I was like, that's the whole, like everything was building up to that moment. And I was like, I can't believe- And that was 10 years ago. That was 10 years ago. Holy yeah, shit. I was like that. <laughs> but but that's the thing that's crazy is, and I think that's the way that I try to think about it when I'm watching, um, when I'm watching a show, and when I am drawn into it, I'm like, okay, so what is it about this story that keeps me here? Like, what moments, what characters? So then I can help to use that in my own work mm-hmm. as to a way to keep people continually wanting to have more of it. But that's insane. That was insane. Yeah. Like that's a, yeah that makes me mad too <laughs> <laughs> but I, not that it's their fault but it yeah. but it, yeah it's like that i was that, shocked when i saw that it's episode. like a premonition almost yeah. of what we're gonna go through yeah. oh <laughs> i wish it was wrong what's your yeah. what's your um go-to movies like as a cinematographer too and a dp um movies um i love uh, amadeus uh, I love actually Milos Forman's movies. Uh, this is, I think, the first time when I was watching a movie and I was like, oh, this, they are telling a story with the light. And it's so subtle that you can maybe only notice on the second, the second time you watch it how powerful it is. Uh, and I love um, American Beauty. Although... The lighting, after I watched it like five times, I was like, well, the lighting is very not natural in some scenes, but again, you don't notice it. And then when you look very carefully, you, you try to think, okay, how did he light this? You're like, oh my God, this, is, this light is very spotty on him, and this is not how a kitchen, or maybe it is, but um, it's very dramatic. And, and so that is one of the movies also. Do you think... They did that on purpose. That they, I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
which is which is interesting too of yeah. like it's the a, feel that lighting creates tells yeah. tells the story mm-hmm. um through the picture which is yes yeah mm. that's cool how did you um get into like when did you first start picking up a camera and and started making stuff uh oh actually it's very very early um I think my, my father always loved cameras. Uh, he used to have an 8 millimeter camera with him when he was a teenager. And uh, so when I was a child, uh, he had the, those big, like, video cameras. Like the big old, the, the big like ones. the shoulder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that had the, where the VHS opened yes, up. Yes, VHS, yeah. Yeah. There, there you go. And... Um, he was filming all the time, except when he wanted to be filmed, he didn't ask my mother or he didn't ask my sister. He asked me, I'm the younger in my family, because he, he for some reason, trusted me more than them. <laughs> so I have pictures of me that I, did, I, I realized just a few years ago of me like being probably six or seven years old and then holding a camera. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's. Oh my god! You have to send us one of those. Yeah, I can can post. Yeah, Yeah. I would love that. So your dad essentially had a lot to do with pushing you in this this path, whether he meant it or not. Yeah, I don't think he meant it. Uh, My sister also. She was. uh, She did photography in high school. And I think seeing her using those cameras as she did films, uh, like thirty-five millimeter photos, and then. When she kind of stopped doing photography, then I kind of like took her cameras and I did photography. I was developing also the pictures myself uh, in the lab in the high school. And I think my uncle uh, is also a, a reason why I, I love films. Is he was um, in Switzerland. Uh, he used to own the movie theaters uh, in our region. So I was able to go to the movies for free and then bring a friend with me. So when the movies like uh, Twister or Independence Day or um, what, uh, yeah, like those movies came out, Titanic came out, all my friends asked me to go to the movies with them. And I used to, and I would watch the movie like seven times because I would go with a different friend every time. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. That's awesome. It's crazy, too, how we don't realize those aspects of our life when we're a child and how much it impacts our path in life. And our subconscious, you know, you start gravitating the familiar and just those little sprinkles of, you know, influence. It's Mm -hmm. really cool. Did you, so when did you know you wanted to be a a cinematographer then? Like, when, when did that, like... You've been going to the movies. Your dad's been giving you the video camera at home. <laughs> like, you've been uh, using your sister's old camera. Yes. Um, well, actually, I went to film school to study filmmaking as a director. And you know when you team up with your, fr- your, with your classmates and then you, each one has to do something different. And I was always picked to do the camera. And also my teacher... <laughs> he told me uh, that I had a good eye, and then I and I love I just love like ha- holding a camera and then telling a story with a, a camera. So I think that's uh, in high school when my teacher told me that I was like I really like it, and that's how I started. 
So you've moved from that because I'm like uh, looking at your website and seeing all the different aspects of filmmaking that you're a part of. Because I mean, if we were to go through your your hyphen of all of the the roles you've played in some of your films, you've done pretty much everything. Um, how did you how did you transition from that place of being you know the one holding the camera to the one helping to figure out what you do with it oh so well it's um i think all cinematographers have been either assistant cameras or gaffers or grips or even pas um everyone's been a pa everyone has (laughs) been a pa and i have to say that i think uh one of the jobs i got as a pa is when i learned the most uh how a set works so um, Oh, sorry. What was the question again? Uh, well, is is how did you transition from uh, being by, like the one holding the camera to to writing and directing and um, doing all of the other things that are involved with um, creating a film? Oh, so so coming back to I think as a filmmaker, it's important for people to know more than just one uh, art. Uh, because it's going to help you also. Of course, it's going to help the whole uh, production, but it's going to help you understand how to work with other people. And so I, I wanted to be a director, and I ended up becoming um, a cinematographer. I'm still very interested in directing. And um, one of my weakest points was uh, screenwriting. Uh, so, and I wanted to write my own stories. So I studied screenwriting, which was another like big uh, like moment in my life because uh, the script is everything is is everything that you're gonna make. And if the script is not good, or if you don't understand a script, or how a script is written, how to read a script, how to write a script, uh, you can't really tell the story as it should be. So I um, that's why I. I'm I'm very involved in in like all all other kinds of of uh, like directing and screenwriting, also. Awesome. So that's why you enjoy doing the other aspects because you think it teaches you more about whichever avenue you are the most passionate about. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> um, you know, it's the more skills you acquire, you know. The more knowledge, I mean, it's just knowledge, right? Knowledge and you just, it empowers you to, and it helps you do any role more efficiently. And And it helps you communicate what your needs are when you've experienced what it's like to be behind the camera operating it as a director, Mm -hmm. you know how to point them in the direction, you know, they've taken, they've had some shots they've done. And you're like, well, that's not exactly what I'm looking for. And you, you have a better way because you know, you know, that language, Yes. all yeah. of these different languages that you speak when you're on a set and a lot mm. of them overlap, but they don't always necessarily, um, overlap all the way. And mm. so figuring out how to communicate in the different avenues and make it all work together. Yes. And also, uh, when I was in studying screenwriting, uh, we also had a class where we were doing acting, because it's very important to to be able to write for an actor. And so, in order to write for an actor, you also need to understand how how they have to understand how a script works, and how to develop a character. So I think 
uh, it's very important to to know. And I think it's great for actors to know that to that screenwriters also, uh, you know, think about the actors. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> what are your favorite types of stories to make? Um, I. I've always been um, attracted to drama um, or let's say also um, dark comedy. But recently with movies like Wonder Woman coming out, um, I've been, I've been, and also I worked on a, on a documentary uh, about Marvel. So I kind of followed a little bit and researched um, like how super movie uh, superhero uh, stories and movies are made, I started to be really interested in in those and and I would love to to do more of that kind of genre and and also sci-fi. Yeah. Sci-fi um, is like the new hot yeah. like yeah. commodity. I love it. I love the I interest feel, in I it. I feel too. like it's always been like an underlying thing, but I think it's people are just now realizing how. Uh, how many different filmmakers and people want to see it mm-hmm. and are intrigued Well, and by our it. technology, our medicine, our computers, our, you know, like all of that is rapidly, rapidly becoming more efficient and better and more intelligent. Like our computers mm-hmm. that can teach themselves how to learn now, you know, it's, it's crazy. So I feel like there's also all these like moral dilemmas that kind of come up and sci-fi can kind of tackle those and like what do we do when x y and z happens and how do we handle that how do we as humans navigate those waters Mm. and also because in reality a lot of things are are changing we have drones uh who can transport things um we have robots that are becoming more and more human with quotation marks (laughs) (laughs) um so, like, I think it's a lot of, um, it's like having a vision of the future Yeah, that is actually here already, but we don't necessarily... But we, it's not a that. part of our daily lives. It's exactly. not like we're sending drones to our yeah. family members across the country or something like we could be doing one day. Like, I think they, they are already doing it. They, I'm sure they yeah. are. I'm or sure like, they well, are. not my family. <laughs> no, <laughs> family, you're not getting it. <laughs> not getting an intro. How have you, coming from Europe and like filmmaking in Europe, what kind of differences do you see in American filmmaking versus European filmmaking? Like what do European filmmakers maybe hold more precious or a priority versus American filmmakers and working with both of them, if you have any insight? Well, I was very surprised that actually the filmmaking part is very similar. Uh, because now everybody travels, so they we ha- we get a chance to work a little bit of everywhere, and then magically we understand each other because it's. I think filmmaking is one language uh, by itself. Um, I don't know because I worked mainly in Switzerland, where they they do mostly documentaries, um, but they I worked on a TV show and. I would say, um, that's a good question. I think they, they take more time to, to 
developer story, then maybe it's done here. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, in terms of here, you can you can easily shoot a movie um, with your friends or uh, because you can find so many filmmakers around you. In Switzerland, it's it's not that easy. So um, although there are a lot of filmmakers. Uh, People, I think, do less productions, but maybe um, they just take more time. I would say, I don't have yeah. a good. No, yeah. no, I think I think any insight because mm. I mean, I'm sure many of our listeners, if not most, have not experienced European filmmaking. Mm. So yeah. Well, and I also think too, um, money is always a, a difference I find with especially certain countries, their government prioritizes contributing to those industries, which when ours, it's in the United States, they don't, um, you know, there's not a lot of grant or any sort of access to monies in that same way that I find other countries mm -hmm. have. And so maybe that's part of the reason they can take a little more time is because it takes a little more time to get funding because you mm -hmm. have to go through the government, but mm -hmm. at the same time you have more of a safety net. Mm -hmm. um, so you can take more time. Yes. If that makes any sense. Yes, it, it makes sense. Um, also like Switzerland is a very particular country because we have four national languages and therefore you have an even smaller audience. It's already a small country, but then you have a very small audience. And then France and Germany and Italy produce, you know, amazing series and amazing movies. So it's very hard to compete with them. But um, I heard, and I've experienced that a little bit when I was there, is the government gives, they have actually a lot of money but instead of giving to a little bit to a lot of people to give them a chance to do something, they give to one person a lot of money. So your chances of making a movie is very small, actually. And then comes then, nowadays, uh, people make their own movies with their own money or, or they do uh, a crowdfunding. But then again, it becomes a very small budget and then... It's hard. Things it's very are, hard. Yeah, things are sacrificed on a yeah. smaller budget. Well, yeah, because you only have so much to go around. Yes. <laughs> what um, inspires your visuals as a cinematographer? Like, do you have certain filmmakers that excite you? Do you have certain artists, painters, music? Like, what's your kind of process in finding the tone or feel for a piece that you're working on? Uh, so... First, I try to uh, I, I read the script, obviously, <laughs> and then I um, and I talk to the director, and then we uh, usually we kind of send each other like mo other movie references, um, which is kind of like the easy way. But I love to uh, watch paintings, go to the museum, watch paintings because that's really how you you can learn how to light. Um, a subject and I think also just being home or in a cafe and then the sun is hitting something a certain way or a certain angle uh, and then I try to take a picture to remember that moment and then I think everything around me inspires me awesome for people that don't know a lot about lighting 
what would you like what would you recommend either like a book or researching or or like what what's your I don't know if there's a summary with like lighting and what you have to say about it because it's so important for the feel mm-hmm. and the emotional response you want from an audience I think for someone who who wants to try stuff with lighting um, just take a take three lamps uh, take a bounce board or something white that reflects or even a mirror uh, something silver um, and take a, a black cloth and then play with it like you can do so much with natural light also because the cameras are now so advanced to that you can really just diffuse or cut or, ref- or reflect bounce light just that it can be amazing you can just take a a whiteboard and put it under your chin and then you can see what happens and um yeah really like i think you learn the most by doing yourself like it's it's great to read it's great to watch uh tutorials and stuff like this but you really have to 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 do to hold the lights and then move them a little bit there and bring them back bring them closer that's how you really learn yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that in general. That's how I learn. but Is by doing oh, yeah. kinesthetic learning. <laughs> it's, like, it's like we're actors or something. Imagine that. So I was reading about the projects on your page, and I um, saw Only a Dream, mm-hmm. which is it's in the process of being filmed right now. Yes. Correct? Um, how did that whole process come about because the fact that you have different composers for each episode Mm -hmm. that's writing the music that then it's created from from there like how did you become involved in that project uh so my girlfriend is a is an opera singer and i know nothing about music and i know even less about classical music and I, i to me it was fascinating to see her her work and and rehearse and practice and I was a little bit like uh, oh you're a classical singer what do you do (laughs) which is a really dumb question because it's uh, like there are so many uh, classical musicians um, who do opera and then new music which is something I found out with her so she, ha- she actually started this project called um, Dreams and Nightmares, where she was commissioning uh, short dreams or nightmare ep- episode uh, composed by uh, a different composer. And I thought it was just fascinating because it's like filmmaking, uh, but, it's, but it's a different art. And I, because I didn't know anything about it, I kind of wanted to share my, the experience that I was witnessing. Uh, by making a documentary and um, so we are still in the process so she's also still developing her 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 opera and um, I was uh, just fascinated by by those those composers and those singers oh so so through that project then you like jumped on board and said we should make we should make I, I want to document this um, and I want to share it to the world that you have a lot of composers uh, who who write, you know, classical and also new music, and and this was a, a great collaboration because there are so many great composers um, in in the in this project. 
Yeah, that's really cool. I just love that idea around it. I studied music in college and have sung opera and musical theater and all sorts of things. So mm -hmm. I just found it very intriguing. Also, having dreams and nightmares be the basis around it because there's so much drama that can come from just ha when you just heightened it is dreams so dreams heightened. and nightmares are heightened so dramatically mm. that works really well yeah, <laughs> in storytelling yeah, it does. Yes. it's really so good. that that's awesome that you guys are able to collaborate together how has that process been collaborating with each other uh <laughs> you can be frank if you're <laughs> uh, i'm gonna be frank yeah it's uh well my girlfriend is um uh she has very clear ideas and so when I jumped in, she was very happy, of course, but she was also a bit worried about how I was going to tell the story. So, <laughs> so she was asking me a lot of questions and I was answering her and she was like, oh, no, 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 please, you know, don't do that. And I was like, well, let's just do it and then we can always cut it, cut it out or, but let's, you know, we let's try it. Let's try it. Yeah. And so we've talked about the, the, the whole project a lot and um and so sometimes it's not very easy to work with someone you know so closely but um I think at the end we're both gonna have like a great experience absolutely I think it's just like it's one of those things when you collaborate with um, um a partner or a family member it's a, um, I've done both. Um, so you have to be really clear with your boundaries too. And, and when you can talk about things and <laughs> yes. when you can't, yes. um, well, and your feelings about things, right? Cause like with a sibling or a spouse or a significant other, you might say that is stupid. You you know, like that's it. That's <laughs> such an idiot way to look at, you know, like mm -hmm. you're more, you're so comfortable. Whereas mm -hmm. if that was a person that was more of a work partnership, you probably wouldn't speak so bluntly, mm -hmm. <laughs> you, so you know, <laughs> and, and when you're working with art, it's personal, it's yeah. really personal. So, and that there's this, there's this other element of trust that you have to have with whoever you're collaborating with. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think, I think boundaries are, are really important and, and always for not letting, you know, the comfortability or the familiarity where I know you're going to love me no matter what I say, but mm -hmm. also understanding like, Art is like so much of your soul and it, it can be so personal. But I think it happens in any kind of relationship when you're, you know, not just romantic or family. Oh, oh yeah. definitely not. I mean, that's yeah. a, def a piece of advice that can be applied. It's applicable yeah. to every part of your life. <laughs> For sure. For so sure. I always ask this question, um, how many different languages do you speak? Uh, I, I ask it when I know that someone's from Switzerland because I know <laughs> you guys have four, four um, languages as your national language. So how many? Uh, I speak four languages. Of course. Ugh. It's amazing. Did me. you start all of them very young or was it kind of, yeah? Uh, so, well, my mother is Japanese. So she spoke to me in Japanese. My father is Swiss from the French part. So I spoke French and they spoke English together. So I kind of grew up with three languages, and then I learned German in school. Because that's a, usually a big part of it, because it's, don't, because there's Swiss German too, which is more of an 
an accent. Uh, yeah, it's, an, it's like a, they have a sort of dialect. Dialect. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, what's I'm searching for the right word. Um, yes. No, it's incredible to me. I wish. What's uh, what's your favorite camera to work with? Ooh, <laughs> she's like, ooh, exciting. Um, well, I own a Sony FS7, so I it has not, it's now like my hand. Yeah, it's like an extension of my arm uh, and my brain. So um, I work very quickly with it. So I would say that's my favorite camera. But I, if I if I could choose, if I was a bigger budget, I I would choose an Alexa. There you go. It, for somebody maybe starting to just play with a uh, camera, like phot- whether it's photography or uh, cinematography, like I guess, do you recommend that camera? Do you recommend a different one? Like, what do you. Do- um, mm, for someone who wants to uh, begin or learn uh, about cameras, it depends. Like, I guess you could rent one. Mm-hmm. Uh, rental companies usually will let you test it um, and then you can ask questions and then you can take it out and so for that I would probably recommend uh, Alexa Mini um, but if you want to buy one um, I think everybody is crazy about the A7S uh, camera which is great um, because it has a, a very a big latitude uh, so you can't really do anything wrong. <laughs> um, but like, if you really want, if you want to buy something and then also do photography, I would say a, a, a Canon 5D or a Nikon. I don't know Nikon lenses, uh, Nikon cameras so much, but yes. Oh, yeah, those are some good suggestions because I feel like that's it's on my list to get a camera. I'm, I'm selfishly asking. Oh, I love that. I you. love. I love hearing. It really depends. I know. Every, what you want to do? Yeah, yeah, and what it, people's opinions of it. And you know, I think. I mean, I'm a filmmaker, so eventually, I'd want to use it to make, you know, oh, shorts or whatever. That's a great idea. Um, but that's like my last thing. Like, I feel like I really want to get in and learn is how a camera works, and I think it's really important when you're directing. And as a, as an actor, knowing how a camera works. That helps you in your acting too, and your behavior oh, it's to huge, tell stories. Then you know what angles are best and where to be, and where you should look for certain desire. Like it just helps you overall. You, you understand how your actions and your framing are telling the story. So, so it, yeah, mm-hmm. it's 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 really interesting. I think walk, watching actors that really know camera technique and understand yes their movement on a lens and what that does and, and facilitating the story. It's fascinating. So anyway, that was a selfish question. <laughs> no, I, I think uh, I always thought that directors are the ones who work with the actors and cinematographers are more like technical and crew and, and they don't really talk with actors, but it's not true at all because I, I have kind of a, as a cinematographer, you have a, a different relationship with the actors because Sometimes you just have to tell them, listen, the light is there, so please look there. Yeah, yeah. I need you to look way, there. Yeah, or this angle, yeah. or yeah, or or you, or just like trust me, um, I will move around you. Just do whatever you need to do. It's it's a very uh, interesting relationship. There's a lot of trust between the two of and you. And a lot that of has trust. To build quickly. Yeah, and it's funny because 
when I worked with very experienced actors, I just told them something. And sometimes they cut me halfway and they're like, oh, yeah, no, I know, but it's in a, in a good way because then I also could trust them. That, yeah, that because it, it goes both it ways. Goes, because yeah, if, if you're working ways. with somebody that, that doesn't understand those things, yeah. No, I always try to become good friends with the DPs. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what <laughs> I'm always like, you got to make me look good. That's right. It's smart. You it's should. true. Sometimes when the actor pisses me off, I'm like, oh, then just going <laughs> to put a very hard light no, on her. Yeah. No, <laughs> you, you look want... terrible. No, no I know you wouldn't do that on purpose. But... I mean, that's the camera. Like, you, you're, like how you said, it's a part of your hands. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. that's what's going to tell the story is these pictures that you're capturing. So... Anyway, um, I had a question about, um, I've, I noticed in a lot of the work that you tend to participate in narrative wise, um, that you have a lot of themes about acceptance and love. And I was curious as to, I mean, ugh, clearly the world needs more and more of that. So, I mean, if that's the reason why you tend to gravitate toward that, but I wondered if there was any sort of story behind why that's a theme that you um, you seem to gravitate toward? I think it's, uh, it always starts with yourself when, <laughs> uh, or at least in the beginning. Um, I think myself and a lot of people don't accept themselves. And I think the first thing that, that people have to learn or to do is to accept uh, who they are and love themselves. And that's how you can be better, a better person around you. And so maybe um, I was, I think those themes are because I was growing up in Switzerland uh, and having a J Japanese mother, uh, I was in the closet for, for a very long time. And so I think that those themes are very important to me, but I think it, it's, they're, just, they're just universal. Absolutely. Everyone, I think everyone struggles with that on their own, um, on their own level. Do you know what I mean? It may not be to the same magnitude mm -hmm. as, as what you've experienced, but I think everyone at some point in their life deals with that. It's very universal. Well, <laughs> it's, I think in the fact that for many people, there's something, there's some, something about them that they cannot change and they feel like they don't belong because of that. And it's so interesting because it's like, if we all just break it down, we're all human and we're all looking for connection and f this sense of belonging and, and acceptance. And we might not be feeling it, but we're also not looking at who we're making feel not accepted or loved because of who they are, you know, and it's just about opening things up, I think. So. And realizing that connectivity that we all have to each other. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and that. there's a shared, there's this shared having empathy of what you're going through. Like, I can't fully understand that, but like, I can still hold space for you and and accept who you are, mm -hmm. and then vice versa, and having it be, you know, yeah, yeah. Because again, the world could use more <laughs> of it right now, for yeah. sure, <laughs> for sure. I'm hoping this is like a where we are right now, it's, it's going to bring us closer to that realization. It's like the, um, I think it is. I think people are stepping up and using their voices more. Um, especially women. I like yeah. in the last year, the way women have stood up and used their voice and 
called things out and, you know, made things known. I, I feel like that is like, all right, we, you can't look at everything how it is right now. Cause we're, there's this momentum mm. moving forward. Right. Focusing that's on that silver lining along the way. Yeah. What, um, what are you working on right now? Uh, right now, in the n near future, I'm going to be filming um, a promo video for a series called Carry Me uh, with uh, Alison Bartlett and Caroline Anthony. Um, we're going to be filming in three weeks. Um, and then in the, in the not-so-close fu uh, future, in 2018, uh, in the beginning of 2018, I'll be filming um, a talk show called Betting Big. Uh, it's about entrepreneurs. So we're going to be interviewing uh, a bunch of entrepreneurs. And our host is uh, Boni Halper, and she's uh, a business journalist. So I think it's uh, also another theme I think that everybody is very curious about is entrepreneurship, because everybody wants to start their own own thing Business. and be their own boss and yeah, yeah that's really cool how do you decide to take like which projects you want to take on like is it who's the team behind it is it the story itself is it like what kind of things do you look for well mm, I love to work with new people um, so the story really has to talk to me um, but I love to work with also the people I've worked with uh, and I love to work with so I, I really, like, I, I, a lot of things that come my way, I usually w w love to do. Um, I'm not that picky. <laughs> but, um, yes, I... I know, I have a hard time saying no to <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I want to do it all. Yeah. yeah, can I do all of it? I found yeah. that I've started, um, as an actor, I've started to submit. I don't submit for, like, as many th anywhere near as many things as I used to because I already just look at a breakdown and I'm and I think nope don't want anything to do with that um and I select in that way but yeah if someone's offered something to me I'm like hmm how can I make this work mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, um, really fun. um where can people find your work online yeah. and Tell us, where, tell us where they can find you if they uh, want to see some of your projects and things that you're working on or things that you have in the past. So I update pretty well my, uh, my Facebook page, uh, Caroline Mariko Films, and I on my website. Uh, it's www.carolinemarikostaki.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sitting thank and you. talking with yeah. us and sharing your your vision and your journey. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.